0: No Hello and welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber and I am sitting here with Anna Chazinski, James Harkin and Andrew Hunter-Murray. And once again, we have gathered round the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular
1: order, here we go. Starting with you, Andy. My fact is that a group of scientists is currently making their own lava. Mm-hmm. pretty cool. So uh, there's a load of scientists who are uh, they're at the University of Buffalo's Centre for Geohazard Studies and they want to study what it's like when lava and water meet because it's something that you don't get to study a lot uh, in the wild, in the natural world. But it's really important as well because uh, when lava and water meet it gets really, really explosive as opposed to only, you know, normal lava explosivity. Mm-hmm. And so they are making their own stuff and they melt Uh, 10 gallons of basaltic rock at a time in a furnace at 2,500 degrees.
2: Is there not a thing uh, about water and lava meeting, which is related to the Leydenfrost frost effect, one of one of James's favourite effects? I think it's, <laughs> which is when uh, two substances of vastly different temperatures meet each other, and it means that the water isn't caused to boil straight away because this layer of gas suddenly oh, yeah. forms between the water and the lava, and I think mm. that might be what mm. makes it so explosive because this layer of gas forms and then eventually that layer of gas collapses and then this massive explosion happens. That's right.
0: wow. Do you know where they could have gone to see lava meet water? No. 1973. (laughs) They went to 1973. There's an Icelandic town called Vesmania. I'm pronouncing that wrong, obviously. But in 1973, they had a volcano erupt and the lava was heading towards this town, which was quite far away. Um, And what they decided to do was they got water cannons and they pumped billions of gallons of water at the lava that was approaching to stop it. And they did it for months on end. And it eventually did stop, and so the town was saved. Some That's people
2: would say it, it is harder for scientists to build a time machine and go back to 1973, possibly even than making their own lava. <laughs> would have been a better fact, though. <laughs> Wasn't
3: there a town, was it in Spain or Italy, where they there was a volcano going off, and the villagers kind of made a trench so that the lava wouldn't go into their town? Yes. But instead they directed it into the next town. <laughs> oh, yeah yes. It was in Sicily. Oh, it was when Man- Mount Etna exploded. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, the village was called Catania. And they dug an artificial breach so to to redirect the lava. Um, and the really cool thing is they do you know how they kept cool? Huh. They wore wet sheepskins oh, while they yeah. were working. Uh, but awesome.
2: they, the villagers who they redirected the lava flow to then redirected it back to this uh, other place called Paterno, and the Paternians <laughs> just sent it right back their way. No. That's so
1: funny. <laughs> Do you know how to tell if, you, if, if a volcano explodes whether you're really, really, really in trouble? No. And you look up at the spout of lava that's coming out of the <laughs> volcano, and if it's moving left or right, you're absolutely fine from your perspective. If it appears to be staying still... You're in trouble.
2: Well, because presumably that's coming towards you. Because right? it's
1: exactly on the same axis as you. Oh. So It will be going directly away from you. Know. Well, it's not, James. It's coming <laughs> towards you <laughs> for being annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I find it amazing that um, volcanoes are made of lava. I never really thought of that. I thought, oh, they're just made of rock that's sticking up and then the lava comes out of it. But they're made of either lava or lava and ash in yeah. layers building up over millions of years.
3: Mm. I thought what was amazing is, um, do you remember the tunnel going through the Alps? Uh, the mm-hmm. Gotthard Tunnel. Yeah, yes. Do you remember that, and how when they went through it, some of the time the rock was really hard, and then some of it was crumbly like sand. You always think of a mountain as being like solid all the way through, but it's amazing yeah. that there are gaps in there and little crumbly yeah. bits. And yeah, it's like a trifle. I think yeah. You, yeah, you said
1: there are bits. You said because we did it on no such thing as the news. There are bits which is, were as soft as butter. Yeah, <laughs> but I can't <laughs> believe that. Actually, you can't believe it's butter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You'd be so annoyed if you were building on that mountain or you're you trying to get through that mountain and your mate got the butter bit and you got the granite bit <laughs> next to
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> so you've turned up with a massive boring machine and he's just got a butter knife. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like- <laughs> <laughs>
2: Actually, speaking of tunnels, there are lava-related tunnels on the moon. Oh, this is the best thing
0: I've read it's this week. It's so yeah. amazing. <laughs>
2: yeah, and I can't believe I didn't know these existed. So um, we discovered this quite recently, I think, that the moon has these underground tunnels and they were formed by lava flows <laughs> 3.5 billion years ago. Um, so lava would uh, flow and then it solidifies on top faster than it solidifies underneath. So the top creates this roof and then underneath the roof is hollowed out as the lava flows through it. And so there are these these hollow lava tunnels and one of the ways that we know this is because they have things called skylights in these tunnels which is where a bit of them fall in and then we see this hole that suddenly created which shows us this tunnel underneath. Cool. It's so
0: cool. The reason that scientists are really interested in it is because the idea of building these moon bases that always get proposed one day we'll have a moon base. They actually think so part of the problem with moon bases is all the radiation coming in and they think that these tubes could lead to these sort of underground bunkers where we could put the bases. So yeah. they're now looking into these tubes and they've got probes that have been flying over that have been sussing them out and trying to learn more. So exciting. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so weird. That's amazing.
1: You know how um, uh, we've been discussing in the office recently, uh, the football, and Iceland has a lot of volcanoes. Mm. Well, the Icelandic football team, until the 1950s, played and practiced on lava. They played on gravel, which was made of crushed lava. Wow, that's great. No yeah. wonder they're good these days.
2: <laughs> more impressive to do it on liquid lava as it flows out of the volcano. That would yeah. be pretty cool. Because yeah. also, if you put your foot on lava, it's so hot that it sets fire to your foot. So that would be quite cool. You'd look like one of those cartoon characters that has your shoes on fire.
1: Yeah. No, that would have been a very impressive... Um, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not a practical... Th- uh, <laughs> <yeah>.
3: In <laughs> cartoons, you do see people falling into lava, but that would never happen because lava is quite thick and gloopy and more viscous so than would humans. We, would you just ah. fall onto it? You'd fall onto it and set on fire.
1: Right. Oh. Rather than kind
3: of, going no, and kind of the last thing you see is your arm going into the lava. So yeah, that. Well. What about
1: the end of Terminator 2, spoiler alert, uh, where Arnie, of course, goes into the liquid steel?
3: Uh, well, is he not a robot, Arnie? He's made of metal. Yeah, yes. so it's slightly different it's to a bit humans. a different, yeah. He'll have a different density to humans.
1: Mm. All right. <laughs> they,
2: they have researched it, Andy. They're not just making stuff up on the top of their heads. No, no, no. Does I he r-
3: ever swim in Terminator? No, he doesn't. No, that's why. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I was reading Mark Commode and Simon Mayo's book, and they were talking about movie endings that don't quite make scientific sense. And one of them, they say, is that Lord of the Rings, right at the end, for Frodo to go in the volcano, that wouldn't be possible because
3: you would just explode from the heat. Sure. Is yeah. that true? How How dense are hobbits? <laughs> I mean, yeah. these are all made up things, aren't they? I know <laughs> volcanoes aren't made up, but... They're in a fancy world, yeah, so they to- could have.
1: Tolkien could have specified that in Middle-earth, volcanoes
2: are a bit colder.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's
3: now, true. Now, you do have cold
1: volcanoes. Have
3: you heard about this? No. Are you
2: talking about fountains? <laughs>
3: <laughs> there is a volcano called Gelai Volcano, which is um, near Lake Natron, which is in Tanzania. And their lava is made out of natrocarbonatite, and it has a different melting point to normal rock, mm-hmm. uh, which means it's a lot colder than normal volcanoes. I mean, it is 510 degrees Celsius, so it's not <laughs> that cold. But it is, that's like half the temperature of a normal volcano. Wow. Bring a jumper, you're saying,
2: yeah. I'm if saying, you're visiting. if you're
3: going to wear wet sheepskins then you'll be better off at that one than at a normal volcano. It's a great tip. Okay.
1: Although, you do get ice lava. Really? What? How cool is this? Uh, Not on Earth, on other planets, but um, in the solar system, there are ice volcanoes, also known as cryovolcanoes, and they throw up not molten rock they throw up water or ammonia or methane in liquid form and then it's so cold on those planets that it freezes almost instantly Mm. and crashes to the ground and so that happens on Pluto it happens on some other moons that's very cool
2: yeah
3: has anyone seen a mud volcano nope no No. I saw some of them in Romania last week you kind of (laughs) drive up to the top of like a mountain it's kind of a flat plateau and then um, you just have this bubbling Mud, these little pits of bubbling mud, and then they kind of spurt out a little bit and then roll down the hill. And it's just, yeah, it's a really awesome, unusual. It it
2: sounds like you'd expect some kind of slime monster to emerge (laughs) from it. Yeah. Is it dangerous? Is it dangerous? dangerous?
3: Um, When you go there, they tell you not to touch it, but because it's in Romania and they don't really seem to bother about health and safety too much, it's not like. In Britain, there would probably be fences and you would not yeah. be able to go within a mile of them. But actually, you can go right up to them. And
2: and that's why you're missing a hand <laughs> this week. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually eaten by the slide.
3: <laughs>
1: <once I laughs> okay, here's the thing. The largest volcano in the world. Um, any guesses as to which or where it is? In, in the on world? Earth? Yeah.
2: Is it um, underwater? You yeah. love underwater, underwater stuff. It's underwater. It's,
1: it's called the Tamu Massif. It's a thousand miles east of Japan, underwater. It is equivalent in area to the British Isles. God. It is 120,000 square miles in wow. area as a volcano. It's, it's, it's not active, uh, thankfully. But it's so gradual, the slope on it, that if you were on the seabed, you would not be able to tell which way was towards the top. Like It's really, 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 really okay. gradual oh, towards okay. the top. But it is it, do, it is. it does slope, and it is the size of Britain.
2: Um, you know, scientists have made lava before. Uh, A couple of years ago, they made lava by heating up rock. This was scientists at Syracuse University, and it took them 70 hours to heat rock and turn it into lava. And once they'd done it, they made the world's hottest barbecue. It's hard enough, isn't (laughs) it, to
3: make sure that the outside of your chicken wing is not burnt and the inside's cut. It's going to be charcoal on the outside and completely raw on the middle. Yeah,
2: apparently there was a chef called Sam Bompas who was present and he said it was the best steak he'd ever had.
3: Yeah,
1: right. Oh, he's (laughs) always going around saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Bompas. (laughs) Okay, so just quickly, this is about um, uh, making things artificially. Do you know what the hottest temperature that humans have ever made is? Mm. What? 7.2 7.2 trillion degrees Fahrenheit.
3: And what's that, in centigrade?
1: It's only 4 trillion degrees <laughs> Celsius.
0: <laughs> I don't know what either of those numbers mean. But, like, is that hotter
1: than... To give you an example, that's 250,000 times hotter than the sun. Is so yeah.
3: <laughs> gas mark 75 million? <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, fan so on or fan <laughs> off? <laughs>
0: Okay, it is time for fact number two, and that is James.
3: Okay, my fact this week is that the word Timbuktu means woman with a sticky out belly button. (laughs) Mm. So this is a book that I'm reading at the moment called The Badass Librarians of Timbuktu uh, by Joshua Hammer, and it's a brilliant book, and this is just the first fact that I found in there when I started reading it. And um, nobody really actually knows why it comes from this phrase. There's some thought that it might have been the goddess that they that they look towards. What I kind of thought is maybe it's just a belly button thing, and it could be that it's in some kind of depression. I think Timbuktu's in like a depression, so it could be like it's the belly button of that area.
2: Although then um, that would be a real innie, wouldn't it? Yeah. A so so the, unless you're looking at it from the other side, you're <laughs> from inside the <laughs> earth. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Um, <laughs> no, I think um, there are some.
3: Disagreements about the translation It could be large belly button Rather than sticky out belly button Um, Okay It's one of these kind of Nobody quite knows But this is the most likely
1: That is a condition isn't it There's a medical condition Which gives you Sticky outy belly buttons Is Uh, there It's like a hernia Yeah and it's known in the area Um, it? It does happen there So possibly There was a woman
2: yeah. I read actually on a Reddit thread and I couldn't verify it s- that someone said as per my source brackets the 1996 Guinness Book of World Records <laughs> so if anyone's got that check it the longest outie ever recorded was 11.9 inches. Oh come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> if someone's really screwed up the umbilical yeah. cord If you castings, had like a sensitive cord oh, No but that's cord, not how yeah. it works. No it's not A lot
3: of people think that a belly, an outie belly button is where they've cut the umbilical cord but it's no, not. It always uh, gets uh, cut a
1: couple of inches away from yeah. the uh, Stomach, but then the muscles seal themselves off and that bit of skin just dries up. And I don't know where it goes. I mean, there have been 90 billion of those things since humanity evolved. Well, you all- think there's some kind of a pit somewhere? <laughs> well, there must all be somewhere. Belly- shed belly buttons. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> well, it's like, for instance, everyone's toenails are always growing and yeah. people trim them. Yeah. But it's not like there's a massive cave of toenails. It well, you know, James. <laughs> 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 Never Wait till visit we get to... flat
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um, Timbuktu, yeah do you know what it's twinned with? This is rather nice. It's twinned with hay on wine, oh, yeah, <laughs> and um, when it was announced, um someone from Hay said. Timbuktu is the oldest home of the written word in Africa. It has a large number of private and public libraries housing ancient Arabic and African manuscripts. On Y is the second-hand book capital of the world. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically the same.
2: Actually, Timbuktu had a few, was twinned with a few, and actually, obviously, that makes you not a twin as soon as you've got more than one. Yes. (laughs) You can't be tripleted (laughs) with... (laughs) It's
0: amazing looking into Timbuktu because Mm. I genuinely knew nothing about it. I know the only thing I knew about it was that it was a lyric in an Oliver song. Go to Timbuktu and back again. That's the only thing I knew about it. And it turns out that it was this incredible cultural hotspot for knowledge. Well, that's why it's
3: so good that it's twinned with the um, second half (laughs) bookstore of the world. Um, Because actually, it's right. They do have loads of manuscripts. And this book is about um, a guy who tried to take a load of uh, manuscripts away from Timbuktu to the Malian capital Bamako. Um, because they were under threat by Islamists.
2: Yeah, and it's such, it's an amazing story, isn't it? It's a great story. He's, and it's they so genuinely good. did it. So yeah. Islamists were coming into Timbuktu, and they thought, we bet they're going to try and destroy our libraries because they had hundreds of thousands of really valuable manuscripts. And lo and behold, a little, a short while later, a few months later, then the libraries were sort of razed to the ground, and they'd managed to save and smuggle out of the country more than 300,000 manuscripts. Only Whoa. a few hundred were left. So everyone thought when these libraries collapsed, oh no, that's all gone. And and then these guys came out of the woodwork saying, "Don't worry about it. We got we got rid of them."
1: And where are they now? Uh, I'm not telling you to
2: <laughs> <laughs> because this goes out on the internet.
0: So why why did Timbuktu have a big collapse to the point where? I read a 2006 survey of 150 Britons, 34% uh, did not believe it existed.
1: So yeah. I, I've actually got the survey here, and this was reported uh, by the Sun under the headline, "Timbuktu." who? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> God. But, but anyway, the survey, um, I think this is the survey we're talking about, Dan, it was in 2010, and it was of 18 to 30 year olds. Okay. Okay. Uh, and of them, maybe it was the same, maybe it was different, half thought that Timbuktu was made up, 10% um, thought that Kazakhstan wasn't real. A third said that Atlantis was somewhere in Greece, (laughs) and one person thought that France was in Spain.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But actually, for a long time, Timbuktu, people weren't sure whether it existed. It was kind of a half-legendary place in North Africa, and because Europeans didn't really go to North Africa, uh, a lot of people went to try and find this so-called city where great uh, education happened, and so, and and so on. And gold
2: reserves, right? It was quite yeah. famous for its gold a few hundred years ago. Exactly. Uh,
3: the first Westerner um, in modernish times to try and find it was a guy called John Ledyard. And when he went, he'd never been to Africa. He didn't know a single word of Arabic. Uh, and when he got to Cairo, he had a bilious complaint and decided to treat it with sulfuric acid and took so much that he immediately died. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs>
2: Yeah. Uh, Hang on so he was just trying to find it. He didn't make it. He was yeah, well, he, he got, got as far as Cairo
3: <laughs> right. and then he saw some
1: what he felt was gaviscon but <laughs> was actually if only he'd known a single word of arabic namely sulfuric acid. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> not do the first word you learn though, is it? No, you it's have not to get quite <laughs> it's deep that. into the textbooks. It's right at the back of the phrase book isn't it? It's <laughs> yeah, in the, the
1: medical <laughs> section. You just do hello and where is the toilet and stuff like that.
2: <laughs> he probably could have done with where is the toilet. At some point <laughs>
1: Do you know about the first westerner to get to Timbuktu? No. He was called Gordon Lang. Okay, he got there in 1826 and he was a Scot and he was an adventurer basically, about 30 years old and he had there was this huge competition between Britain and France to get to Timbuktu. And they obviously had a head start Because like, they're closer mm. But Yeah because they're um, in Spain Yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, He said to his parents I shall do more than has ever been done before And shall show myself to be What I have ever considered myself A man of enterprise and genius Right So big claim um, This is from a website called GreatBritishNutters.blogspot.com <laughs> <laughs> Amazing So he got to Tripoli, immediately proposed to the British consul's daughter, and she fell in love with him. They got married. And then he said, right, I'm off to Timbuktu. He thought it would take him a few weeks. Um, The temperatures were huge, right? 120 degrees Fahrenheit. The the food was patties of dried fish and camel's milk. Bandits everywhere. One night, he was attacked in his tent by bandits. As he was sleeping, hacked at with swords. He, He got 24 wounds, 18 of them serious. The next morning, he still said, put me on my camel. So... He was strapped onto a camel for 400 miles, seriously (laughs) injured, (laughs) kept going, right? It took him over a year to get to Timbuktu. He finally got there uh, after, you know, recuperating, all of this stuff, and it was abandoned and poor. It wasn't this great... Yeah. center of learning anymore right. and then two days after he left he was he was murdered in the desert by bandits oh, this incredible sort of awful journey yeah and do we country. know if
2: he thought it was worth it or we don't know because, because he glad he went
1: it wasn't what he was looking for which is like james says this amazing center of learning yeah. with universities yeah, and gold yeah. and books you know it wasn't like yeah. that anymore
0: there's got to be a moment on that trek when you've been strapped to a camel <laughs> and you've got hack <laughs> woods from giant swords that you're thinking did I make the right call here? <laughs> <laughs> just at least for a minute, he must have had doubts. Just a second. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Do you know when we started thinking of Timbuktu as that semi-fictitious faraway place? No. Um, this was, so you know how we say today, oh, we'll send him to Timbuktu because, you
0: know, it's just <laughs> yeah, this. I'm constantly saying that around <laughs> <it. In> the <that laughs> I'm a- constantly hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually an Oxford English Dictionary definition in its own right. The yeah. word. Yeah, yeah, is of to course. A long distance place.
2: So it's been in use since Lady Duff Gordon, the English writer in the 1860s, was in Cairo. And she was getting really fed up with the fact that Cairo was being sort of. Um, Uh, sort of gentrified so lots lots of other British people were coming there there (laughs) precisely a cereal
3: cafe (laughs) (laughs)
2: that was exactly her problem so she wrote a letter back from Cairo saying it's growing dreadfully cockney here I must go to Timbuktu instead and that was the first reference of you know gotta escape to a more distant place than this
0: yeah Um, So, uh, the idea that Timbuktu, uh, the name meaning the sticky-outy belly button, I I started looking into what places, uh, how their names were derived. So, it's thought that maybe Canberra means women's breasts. No one quite knows Maybe. where Canberra comes from in Australia. Yeah, they think it means meeting place as well, um, <laughs> because it derives from an Aboriginal word. But actually,
2: but often they would meet at women's breasts. <laughs> exactly. the so it's very so. confusing
1: <laughs> if there's more than one woman yeah. in the bar where you're meeting. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Manchester's named after breasts. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. The man in Manchester comes from mam, like mammaries. Yeah. and oh. it's because of the hills oh. around Manchester.
0: Oh, so it okay. should be called
1: Breastchester. Yeah. Chester, right Chester.
0: and then this is my favorite. This was named after someone. There's a place um called Anus Haven. I'm probably <laughs> pronouncing that wrong. <laughs> I
1: don't think you are. I think um, it I could think it's
0: or it could be Anushaven. <laughs> but, it's, but the thing is, is that this place is in Armenia and it's named after a World War II hero <laughs> called Dr. Anushaven Galoyan.
2: <laughs> anushaven actually sounds like another cupboard in your house, Andy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, it's time for fact number three, and that is Chuzinski.
2: My fact this week is that lovers' hearts beat in sync.
1: Gross, 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 gross.
2: (laughs) 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 This disgusting fact comes to you courtesy of research that was done by the University of California, Davis, in 2013. And it put couples in a room and it monitored their heart rates and the couples weren't touching each other or speaking to each other. So they were married. (laughs) 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 <laughs> speaks the married man um, right so these couples didn't touch or speak to each other but it was found when their heart rates were monitored that their hearts were beating in sync and their, their breathing really closely matched and then they in this experiment they mixed the people up a bit so they put males and females with people that they weren't in a couple with so just like strangers in the room with them and their hearts wouldn't beat in sync
1: you know other things that synchronize or you know, other occasions on which heartbeats synchronize mm-hmm. this is quite cool so mothers and infants their heartbeats synchronize when they're just looking at each other other uh-huh uh, so but mother a mother with her own baby basically also choirs their heart rates yeah. rise and fall at the same time and they think that is a breathing thing as well because yeah. some bits you mm-hmm. need loads yeah. of breath for and when you breathe in your heart rate goes yeah. up well it's and definitely. also dogs and their owners sink heartbeats yeah, yeah. according to <coughs> research by
0: pedigree chum <coughs> <John, Yeah. that laughs> i know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love when you read where that research has come from. It always is, yeah. Although I don't know how that helps with sales. But...
2: Well, what was interesting about that study was it basically said that when dogs are reunited with their owners after separation, then both those beings' hearts start beating faster, which isn't necessarily them sinking. It's presumably more likely <laughs> yeah. them being quite excited that they're seeing each other again.
1: Hmm. Here's a cool thing about heart rates. Mm. Um, Obviously, different animals, hugely faster and slower, depending. And I think we may have even said before that, so, sperm whales have about nine beats per minute, shrews, 835 beats a minute. If
3: you put a whale in a room with a shrew, what happens then? They synchronize. If they're lovers.
1: The The whale speeds up to 400 beats a minute and immediately dies. (laughs) Um, um, No, okay, this is the really cool thing. So, the whale and the shrew's hearts both deliver... Over the lifetime, 200 million litres of blood per kilo of body weight, right? Mm. So it's exactly the same rate for both animals. So in in both animals, each gram of tissue over the animal's lifetime receives 38 litres of oxygen.
2: How weird is that? This is a yeah. stupid question, but is that true proportionally for, for most, most animals, animals? I
3: think it'll be true.
1: I think, well, yeah, I don't think it's not just those two, basically. This yeah. is a, a sort of a a th- rule of life. Yeah,
3: it's true of all mammals, I think, uh, yeah. pretty much. But humans don't work in the same way. So it was thought for a while that all mammals have the same number of heartbeats in their lifetime because the shorter-lived animals beat much quicker mm-hmm. and the longer-lived ones beat much slower. Uh, And it does kind of work a little bit, but it doesn't work with humans. And I think the reason being that we have really good medication and stuff, so we live longer than we probably should do. Uh There's
1: about a billion heartbeats. Most mammals, with some exceptions like humans, get a billion.
2: So it might still be worth getting into a relationship with someone who has a very slow heartbeat. With a sperm whale. (laughs) In an attempt (laughs) to extend (laughs) your life.
0: But if you got, let's say in the future we manage to do heart transplants, Is it a case of confusing a single heart that how many times it's personally beat, or is it responding to the body? As in, if you take a heart that has had no beats and put it in the body of someone who's coming up to a billionth beat,
1: will it reset the clock? The heart will keep going, yeah. If if a heart's beaten a billion times, then it'll be much more tired than the heart. Yeah, but it's not
3: that you can get to 90 years old and then put a child's heart in your body and you're going to live for another 90 years.
0: Well, someone's got to tell Rupert Murdoch that. (laughs) 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 But let's say that it's a heart collapse that you had that leads to your death would it eliminate
3: the chances of that well, happening? Well, it's certainly true that if your heart is in trouble, you can have a heart transplant. And yes. That will help. But did you know this? You can transplant your heart into someone else and still live. No. What? Okay. What? So this is a medical procedure. It doesn't happen very often. But say, for instance, I needed a heart and lung transplant from uh, another person from Say. Yeah. Uh, but Dan. Needed I didn't a. sign anything, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Dan needed a heart transplant. What right. they can do is... Because the heart and lung coming from Anna would be better working together, they can give me the heart and lung from Anna, and then I can give my heart to Dan. So wow. I've actually transplanted my heart and received from another person. Oh it
2: does right. occasionally happen. Do I
1: then together. give my heart and lungs to Anna?
2: Yes, where am I getting my heart? <laughs> I'm this, so you what you don't make
1: it in this equation. Yeah, I'm sorry,
3: you're the person who is, um, who's a donor. Why
0: doesn't uh, Anna just give me the heart? What was, why were you the in-between? So I
3: really need. Let's say I really need a lung transplant, but yeah. the lungs will work better with a heart of Anna's. Got so it. Anna's lungs will work better with Anna's heart, yeah. so I will get the heart and the lungs, but my heart will then go to you because you need a heart. Yeah, mm. got it. And your lungs are fine.
2: Right, So why? and why, the sacrificial why, lamb. Why, why
1: am I not involved in this?
2: <laughs> Do you know that laughing can increase your heart health? So start cracking those jokes yeah it vasodilates your blood vessels so it increases the width of your blood vessels and it means that you can pump more blood around your body and it increases them by 22 percent, which is actually really significant mm. how
1: much do you have to laugh for that
2: yeah just more than That's you lots. can <laughs> instigate <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they've also found that happiness can actually damage the heart as well it's all to do with so there's that that thing, it's called the Takotsubu Cardiomyopathy uh, Broken Heart Syndrome It's mm-hmm. so the idea of broken heart and then you just kind of convince your heart and in very rare cases you convince it to the point of you dying and they've recently found that happiness can trigger the same thing so it's, it's, an, it's a rare condition but happiness has the same effect it suddenly puts the heart into a kind of oddly stressed position and that can lead to death as well wow. so happiness uh, can
1: be dangerous Is this why mm-hmm. when you're in love sometimes your heart feels uncomfortable? That's uh, just so surely
2: that's just the adrenaline It's just n- nerves and adrenaline yeah. It's just
1: interesting the, the, the sort of physical sensations of emotion Like why should it be in the chest? Why on earth should I feel anything in particular there? Because you know?
2: that's about fight or flight isn't it? And being isn't it excited does and my Because your heart is in your leg <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah but it's got blood in it not it?
1: You know? <laughs> and
2: he
3: sends Valentine cards with pictures of legs on <laughs> 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 You make Will my you ankle be- beat twice as fast
1: <laughs> You are my anus haven <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, it is time for our final fact of the show, and that is my fact. My fact this week is that this year, Hugh Hefner sold the Playboy Mansion. It comes with 30 rooms, a pool, a tennis court, a zoo license, and Hugh Hefner. So, it comes with Hugh Hefner. You get to keep Hugh Hefner with this phrase. I don't like phrase, comes with Hugh Hefner.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't like that at all. <laughs> the idea being that he is now allowed to just live in this house until he dies. That's, that's right. the part of the deal that he did. He ended up selling it to his neighbor. Um, and I think they've known each other for a long time. So... That seems to be an okay thing, but yeah. So it's it's been sold, and it and it obviously uh, back in the sixties and seventies was known as the kind of Disneyland of um, sexuality. Sex. Basically, <laughs> it was Disneyland it, of misogyny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Disneyland of misogyny, and uh, but now it's sort of very dirty, very uh, run down, and yeah. It's you
2: partially. mean dirty, not just sexually? It's literally it dirty. Literally, isn't it? Is, it's yeah.
1: It does contain a pipe organ. It does. That's not a euphemism, sorry. <laughs> Imagine Hugh Hefner asking if you want to see his pipe organ.
0: <laughs> yeah, so he's in his 80s at the moment. Um, do you guys know where he is going to be buried when he does pass away? Is he one of these people who wants to be buried like on top of Marilyn Monroe? Or something? He's being buried right next to Marilyn Monroe. Oh, okay. he, he bought uh, the plot right oh. next to her. Yeah. That's weird. She was the first ever um, cover girl for Playboy. Yeah. Mm. And um, and he's been obsessed with her his whole life. In Oh, well, it's not weird <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh,
1: just oh, qual- sorry, just qualifying <laughs> the weirdness. <laughs> you put it in context by saying he's obsessed with her. Yeah. It sounded like he had a healthy professional disinterest in <laughs> her when you said that he bought the cemetery <laughs> plot next to hers. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> I thought you were going to say uh, that he was going to be buried in because one of the places that the Playboy Mansion has is a pet cemetery. Did you know that it has a pet really? cemetery, which presumably is where all the bunnies are buried? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you. <laughs> if I ever have a heart attack. Send Marion.
2: But yeah, that one of his girlfriends had a whole bunch of small dogs, didn't she? And then the women who lived in the mansion said that they would be summoned to his bedroom every Friday. And that's when he would give them their allowance, which I think was $1,000. And when they went to his bedroom, they had to wait for the first ritual, which was him scraping all the dog poo off his bedroom floor. <laughs> oh God. God. I'll stop it out there. It's too sexy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in 2011,
1: this was a story that happened. A hundred people fell ill after going to a party at yeah. the Playboy Management. and they think it was because there were bacteria in the Whirlpool spa.
3: Because they forgot to scrape the dog <laughs> off it.
0: I thought this was interesting. 40% of all of Playboy's income comes from China.
1: China, you don't mean they sell terracotta, um, like <laughs> yeah. what, they sell they, tea sets. And tell, porcelain? So you, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah, in, uh, in China, the, the country, and um, the interesting thing is that the magazine is not sold in China. So they yeah. license the Bunny logo completely for things like perfumes, things like uh, tracksuit clothing. I always used to see that in Hong Kong. You would see kids wearing Playboy outfits, but because in China it doesn't have the sexual connotation. In fact, they completely rebrand it out there to be a more family oriented yeah. thing. What is it, basically? It's just, it's just a big brand. It's just a brand. Mm.
3: Um, there was a lady um, called Chloe Woodall who bought some Playboy for Her VIP body spray. Um, from, I think it was Asda Online, uh, but it got substituted for It's a Dog's Life Pet Care Kind and Gentle Shine Spray. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, I do have a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, but how did they know that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know this really old idea that people used to say that they would read Playboy for the articles? There is one edition of the magazine that can genuinely be claimed to have been read for just the writing just for the articles and that is something that's been published since the 1970s the braille version they take out any of the nudity so it's not as if they've made like 3d pictures or anything it's purely words and it's purely the articles
2: i think it was i think it was the first magazine that came in braille wasn't was it really yeah
1: private eye used to have and i think still has an edition for uh, partially sighted or for blind people Private Eye actually has uh,
0: an interesting connection with Playboy. Uh, Peter Cook went over to America to ask Hugh Hefner for funding for Private Eye. Uh, According to the official Peter Cook biography, Peter Cook, for anyone listening overseas, one of Britain's biggest comedians, Hefner told him to piss off, according to this biography. Um, But it also meant that uh, one of the best stories I love about Peter Cook happened in this period. He was at the Playboy Club. And there was this guy trying to get in, and the bunny at the front didn't let him in. So he started yelling into the whole club, going, Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And Peter Cook went up to him, and he then yelled to the rest of the club, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, this gentleman doesn't seem to know who he is. Does anyone <laughs> know who he
3: is? Um, so the Playboy Mansion that they sold is not the first Playboy Mansion. Uh, there was one in Chicago, the first one. Mm. It had 70 rooms. Uh, it had a swim pool. It had um, all sorts of stuff. And now they've turned it into three family homes. So you can actually live there. I think students live there s- some of the time. Yeah. Uh, and it had a brass plate on the door with the Latin inscription. Uh, under your Latin quite good. Do you oh want to yeah. yeah, translate this? Si non osculas noli tintinare.
1: If you
2: don't osculas, look. No, it must be something like shake, like oscillate, right? Is it if you don't have an orgasm, you're not excited
3: or something like that? Si non osculas, noli tintinare. Tintinare.
2: Don't impersonate Tintin in this building. (laughs) So
3: (laughs) So tintinare is ring, (laughs) as in ringing a buzzer. Right. Uh, And so si non osculas, noli tintinare. If you're not shaking, don't ring. It's close, but it's a rhyming thing.
2: (laughs) Osculas. (laughs) Swinging. so Swinging If you don't swing don't, don't
1: swing Don't ring, don't
3: ring.
2: Yes. <laughs> ah. <laughs> a Latin put to good use Finally <laughs> Yeah
1: I mean yeah It's horrible But it's great <laughs> so the ma- Is the magazine still going Yeah it is um,
0: They made a big change uh, Last year Which is They've stopped doing nudity That's mm. the latest move they're, I think they're Just not working anymore Is, is it, it sort
1: a- of a brand Is it now Going more towards The brand thing
0: yeah. I, th- I think so Yeah I I
1: I personally read it just for the party hosting (laughs) tips. Before a party, scrape all the dog excrement (laughs) off the floor. okay that's it that's
0: all of our facts thank you so much for listening if you would like to get in contact with any of us about the things that we've said over the course of this podcast we can be found on our twitter accounts I'm on at Schreiberland Andy at Andrew Hunter M James at Ed and Chazinski.
2: you can email podcast at qi.com
0: yep or you can go to our group account which is at qi podcast and you can also go to nosuchthingasafish.com where we have all of our previous episodes we're going to be back again next week with another episode goodbye